Today uh, is Father's Day, uh, in case you hadn't noticed. I hope if you're a dad here, that doesn't come as a surprise to you. Uh, But there is a certain irony uh, to the fact that Father's Day uh, is coming in the middle of so-called Pride Month. Uh, You can't fail, I'm sure, to have noticed, not if you have a TV anyway, uh, that people are celebrating uh, what they call Pride This month I was receiving a parcel this last week and on my little DPD app, which very helpfully tells me exactly where my parcel is and when it's going to come to the door, uh, I saw that it was all decorated in rainbow colours and instead of the usual parcel logo uh, telling me where my parcel was, there was a unicorn, uh, which was showing me where my parcel was. And I'm sure you've all seen uh, various ways in which people are celebrating uh, the LGBTQ plus movement today. And I say it's an irony that uh, Father's Day uh, is happening in the middle of such a month uh, because in many ways uh, what the LGBT movement teaches is opposed uh, to what fatherhood is all about, uh, what family is all about. It all but destroys it. Uh, We live in a society, don't we, where high-profile politicians struggle to define what a woman is. That's not a joke. (laughs) That is really where we are at in our society People who might well be the next Prime Minister of our country uh, can't say what a woman is. And before too long, do not be surprised when people start to question what fathers and mothers really are. That's coming down the path, if it hasn't already. You might wonder, well, how did we get here? How did we get to such a situation. Some of you might even right now be feeling a little tense because this is a topic which is uh, one which we know is very sensitive, uh, one in which people get very irate about. Questions which 50 years ago, nobody would have even thought it to be a question. People don't want to talk in public now about it. How do we get here? Well, the answer is that there is a huge idol in our society. Uh, We've read about the idolatry that existed in Paul's day in Athens, in the Greek society of the first century. And there they had many idols of gold and of stone. Um, We read, didn't we, of how Paul saw an altar to the unknown God. They had so many gods that they built an altar to the unknown God just in case they had missed one. It was a society governed by idols and the worship of them. And you say, well, we're not like that today, surely. We aren't so primitive. We don't have such idols. And it's true, we don't have idols of wood and stone, necessarily. People's houses can become that. People's 
bank balances can become that. But that is not primarily what the idol of our society is. Uh, Our big idol is ourselves. The worship of ourselves. The worship of our desires. Once upon a time, uh, people used to define themselves by their job. Uh, Who are you? I'm a builder. I'm a teacher. I'm a whatever. Fill in the gap. Uh, Or they define themselves by their responsibility and their role in life. Uh, I'm a father. I'm a mother. Uh, uh, I'm a student. Whatever it might be, people define themselves by the role and responsibility they had in society. They may not always enjoy that role. Nevertheless, they accepted that was who they were and to some extent or another got on with it. It's not like that today. Today, you're not defined by some role put on you from outside. For so many today, no, you decide who you are. Your desires define who you are. And that has even stretched to the point today that even your gender is not something biological, which of course it is, but it's something that you feel inside. And what you feel is true so that people can say nonsensical things, and it is nonsense, and we should say it's nonsense, that I'm a woman born in a man's body, or a man born in a woman's body. That's ridiculous. But that is the society we live in, because we have this idol of self. What you feel defines what is true. And children are taught from the youngest age, you need to follow your heart. Be true to yourself. Uh, Watch whatever Disney film you want, almost. And I'm not criticising Disney, though. I like Disney. I'll I'll watch Disney films. But listen to the message of them. And so many of them have the message, be true to yourself. Follow your heart. And again, you'll see, often it's the parents. It's the authority figures around them who are holding them back, who are trying to make them something which they're not. And the message is, be free. Be free of all of that. Follow your dreams. If you're attracted to someone of the opposite sex, go for it. If you feel you're a man, if you feel you're a female, go for it. Don't let biology define you. So our society is not unlike the society of Paul's day. Uh, They had their own idols who they worshipped, and we have ours. Our idol is just slightly different. So what I would like to do this morning is just learn from how Paul interacted with society of his day. And it's a message particularly for fathers, uh, because fathers bear a particular special responsibility in the society in which we live to guide and to lead and to show the right path. They have a particular responsibility of protection and leadership. And let's learn, all of us, from how Paul responded to the idolatry of his day so that we can respond rightly to the the idolatry of our day. What did Paul do? Let's look at verse 16. This is Paul when he finds himself in Athens. God's word reads, Now while Paul waited for them, that's uh, Silas and Timothy, 
While Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. We're told that when Paul saw the idolatry of the city, his heart was provoked, his spirit was provoked. In other words, he had an emotional reaction to the idolatry that he saw around him. He was vexed. His heart was stirred. Uh, the word is kind of difficult to translate, but we all know the feeling. It's when your, your heart is moved by something. Uh, often the word is used uh, in, the, in terms of anger. When you see something and your spirit rises in anger at it, you think, no, that's wrong. Perhaps you hear something in the news and some horrific thing has happened Uh, perhaps to a child or to an innocent person, and your spirit rises, you are provoked. That's what Paul felt when he saw the idols of Athens. He was grieved, angry even, when he saw the city. And we too uh, should have an emotional reaction when we see the idolatry around us. All around us, people are engaging in and praising destructive behavior, uh, praising things which aren't just destructive to families and, if only we knew it, to our own selves, uh, but they are doing things which are offensive to a creator God who loves us very, very much. And that should cause us to have an emotional reaction. I don't know if you know this, there are clinics uh, in this country which will willingly perform operations, uh, irreversible operations, on children uh, based purely, well, perhaps not in this country, but at least in other countries, based purely on a child's desires. If a child says they feel a certain thing, there are clinics in this world who will say, okay. We'll operate. We will irreversibly change your body. That should give us an emotional reaction. Uh, There are people who make a foolish choice and have a one-night stand and are then almost literally willing to sacrifice a baby because of their mistake. It's not almost literally. It is literally because of their foolish decision. There are people who make vows of marriage and then break them because they fall in love with someone else. And when that person is of the opposite sex, that choice is praised as being a wonderful thing. We can't look at that with uh, a sort of passive gaze. We can't hear these things and not be moved. If we truly believe what the Bible teaches, and if we truly care for people and for families, then we should be provoked, as Paul was provoked. And if we're not, it may reveal that we ourselves have succumbed to the idolatry of our society. Because it's not just shown in extreme ways that we've mentioned, homosexuality, transgenderism, abortion. 
It's not just shown in those ways. Uh, It's shown in many ways. Let me ask you this question. Uh, What decides the guiding direction of your life? What decides what you do on a day-to-day basis? Is it Jesus? Is it what God says? Or is it your desires? Whatever they might be. They may be respectable desires. They may be even good desires. But is that what is guiding your life? If it is, then you are every bit as much an idol worshipper as others in our society. You're just perhaps not quite so honest about it. You cannot serve both God and wealth. You cannot serve God and riches. You cannot serve God and yourself. So we need to be careful. How do we respond to the idolatry around us? We should have an emotional reaction to it. And if we don't, beware. Perhaps you have fallen for it yourself. So that's the first thing. Do we have an reaction? Do we feel it in our spirits? Do we feel even an anger at the way society is? But Paul doesn't stop there. uh, Because... We might have an emotional reaction to what we see in society and then respond in a bad way. Uh, There are two very common responses that Christians have to uh, the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, One is kind of the ostrich approach. Bury your head in the sand, pretend it's not happening, just try to keep out of people's way, try not to speak too loudly uh, and try and get by. That's one approach. So I say the ostrich approach. But there is another one. And the other approach is to simply give vent to your emotions. You feel anger, and so you start to rant, and you start to rail against the society. And you perhaps stand in a street and shout and scream at the society, saying how evil and wicked it is. It might make you feel better, perhaps, But is that the right response to what we rightly feel? Well, not if we take Paul's example. Let's keep reading. I'll read again verse 16. It says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Did you hear what Paul's response was? It wasn't like the ostrich. He didn't just hide in his little church community, which didn't exist at this point in Athens. Uh, He didn't hide and keep his opinions to himself. But neither did he rant and rave and denounce the society as such. What does it say he did? He reasoned. With society. He went into the synagogues with the Jews and he went into the marketplace daily with those who were there. Paul cared enough not to just vent his emotions out, 
He cared about people too much for that. Instead, he took his emotions in hand and then he responded in a loving way. After all, what if no one had ever reasoned with Paul? Because remember, Paul himself was once an idolater. Uh, Do you remember how he had been driven by his hatred of Christians? He had made his Jewish religion his God, even at the expense of God himself. And he was bent on persecuting Christians. But then Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And what did Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In love, although Paul's actions bitterly hurt Christ, Jesus in love responded by reasoning with Paul. Paul, why are you persecuting me? And that's what our response should be to people in our society. Lovingly reasoning with people. Because after all, we are no better than they. Perhaps our sins are different. Perhaps our idolatry shows itself in different ways. Nevertheless, we are just starving people who have found bread and want to tell other starving people where they can find bread. Because that's what idolatry shows. When we worship idols, whether it be money or ourselves or whatever... It's demonstrating that we have a deep hunger inside ourselves. And the Bible tells us only God can satisfy that hunger. Only Christ can satisfy that hunger. But us in our foolishness, we seek to find it in other things, other places, other gods. And it never works. It never works. We might think it does for a time, but ultimately it always is unsatisfying. And more than that, it's destructive. That's why Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am living water. And if we were a believer here this morning, we've learned that truth. And we should want to share that with others, to show people, no, don't live for your desires. Don't follow whatever desires you feel. That will, be, that will end in only destruction and misery and death. Instead, there's a better way. There's truth to be found outside of yourself. And the strange thing is, why we're reluctant to do that, because everyone knows that deep down. I'm sure they do. Deep down, we know that following our desires doesn't lead end well. Uh, I've given this example before, but you, you see a dog, for example, and... A dog will happily lick up chocolate which is lying on the floor. But you know that that chocolate will be destructive to that dog. And so you say to the dog, no, don't. You keep the chocolate away from it. The dog thinks it's going to make it happy, but actually it'll be destructive. And it's not just dogs. Think of babies. A baby who sees a shiny pair of scissors or a shiny knife. And they think it'll make them happy to put it in their mouth. And you know it won't. And so you say no. And you keep it away from them. And it's not just children. Uh, As adults, surely we even know that following your every desire, 
uh, eating whatever you want to eat (laughs) doesn't end well in the end, as we discover every Christmas. We don't follow our every desire if we're wise, because we know if we follow whatever desire we feel, it will end badly. God loves us too much to allow that, and he says, no, listen to me. Listen to what I have to say. And that's what we should say to others. No, don't listen to your heart. Don't follow whatever your heart says. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You need to go somewhere else for truth, somewhere much better. And that's exactly what Paul does as he reasons with them, because we're told exactly what he tells them. Look at verse 18. It says, And certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, that's Paul, and, said to, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. That's what Paul reasons to his society, and that's what we should reason to. He spoke to them about Jesus and the resurrection. That's what Jesus himself said, wasn't it? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life in all its fullness, to the abundance, to the full. That's what Jesus said he came for. He said, you won't find it in yourself. You won't find that happiness by following your desires. Instead, follow me. That's what he said to the Samaritan woman, wasn't it? Do you remember the Samaritan woman who had had five husbands? Uh, Evidently, each one hadn't brought her the satisfaction that she thought she would find. And Jesus said to her, I'm living water. Whoever drinks from me will never thirst. And she ran into the city and said she had found the Messiah. She had found the one who her heart was looking for. And you notice again, it says that Paul spoke to them of the resurrection. And that's not just the resurrection of Jesus. It's our resurrection as well. Because again, in our society, we have this lie that we're born the way we're born. Uh, Whatever we feel, that's what's natural. That's what's right. Do what you feel because that's what you were made to be. The Bible says nonsense. Do you know what the Bible says? We're born broken. We're born twisted. We are poisoned springs. And our desires that flow out of our hearts are tainted. And because of that, the Bible says we deserve to die. In fact, the Bible says we need to die. But the good news of the Bible is that there's resurrection. Jesus died and rose again, that we might die and rise again. Die to our evil desires. Die to those feelings which spring up in all our hearts, lustful feelings, greedy feelings, envious feelings, jealous feelings, whatever it might be. Because of what Jesus did, we can die to all of that and live 
in newness of life. There is life found outside of your own desires. The problem is it's very difficult to believe, isn't it? Because we feel our own feelings. It feels so very close to us. And the lie we tell ourselves is, unless I satisfy myself, I can't possibly be happy. But again, what did Jesus say? He said, he who dies, yet shall he live. He says, he who gives his life will find it. The way we find true joy is through dying to ourselves and living to Christ, following him, listening to what he says to us. It may be painful. It may be difficult. It will not be easy all the time. But at the end, there is joy at God's right hand. That's the message that we need to give to this society Don't follow your heart, follow Christ. Let me just close with this. That was actually the testimony of the church who Paul had just come from. Paul had been preaching in Thessalonica for not very long because he got chased out by the people who hated him. But later on, he wrote a letter to the church at Thessalonica, the city he had just been in. And this is what he wrote to them in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 6. He says, You became followers of us, And of the Lord, having received the word, the gospel, in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Archaea who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and in Archaea, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we don't need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. And how, listen to this, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Do you hear what Paul says? He said to these Thessalonican believers, these Thessalonian believers, We don't need to speak anything because your faith and your love for Christ is being declared everywhere. They've seen how you've turned from idols and are serving the living God. And they're being drawn to Christ because of your testimony. Let's that be our testimony as well. That people see our lives, that we are not slaves to the idolatry of self. We're not slaves to the idolatry of our evil desires, but instead we serve a better king. We serve a better ruler, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's how we respond to the idolatry that is in our society. And with those thoughts in mind, let's sing as our last hymn, number 776. 776. A hymn which expresses our trust, or what should be our trust, and our faith in Christ, not in ourselves. 776, I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause. Maintain the honour of his word, the glory of his cross. So let's stand to sing in closing number 776.